Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies. Uh, didn't do a podcast last week. We had the Chiefs in the Super Bowl uh, from Kansas City, as most of you know, and just enjoyed watching the Chiefs win their second Super Bowl in, in four years. So that was it was fun. It was an, an amazing time. But the week before that, we had Pat Holland on um, with the Missouri Freedom Initiative down in Springfield, Missouri. Um, he's doing good things in Missouri. Check out that podcast. Uh, trying to get rid of food sales tax in Missouri and also trying to get Missouri back on a, a gold and silver standard in the state of Missouri. So very interesting <coughs> stuff. Tonight I uh, have our second, our third guest in the five years that Talk Junkies has been here showing up to the house, met him through work. Um, this gentleman is, is decorated. He, he was uh, a chiropractic internist. Is that how I say it? Yeah. Okay. An international speaker, host of a TV show, Top Docs, and the owner of the Ep- Epigenetics Healing Center in Overland Park, Kansas. He's helped over 14,000 people. And again, this was five years ago. So I'm sure that number has grown exponentially um, from around the world to reverse life crippling diseases such as Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, um, rheumio, or how do I say that? Rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah, rheumatoid. Th- yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're looking at, but it's yeah. about right. Uh, hypothyroid, diabetes, and many other issues. So this guy is awesome. And he's currently practicing those things as well. Jay Goodbinder, thanks for joining Talk Junkies, man. How are you? I am doing fantastic and excited to be here. Rock on, man. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey, man. Well, one, I just want to throw out there, I also have a naturopathic doctorate now. Okay. I went to more schooling. Um, obviously, I own the epigenetics healing center. That's the biggest thing for me. Second to my family. Got a wife and a couple of kids. They're amazing. All the purpose in the world. Um, it's real interesting when you're a really driven person. So, super intense. You know whatever you want to do. You always want to do the best at it. It's kind of driving you and driving you. Um, but marriage and kids brings a whole nother character to you, who you are. 100%. Like, you can't think about yourself. Like it's, I can run as fast as I can, but when you realize you have to wait for some other people, it's a whole different experience. You go, wait a second. My wife's gonna, not going to move at my speed. My kids aren't going to move at my speed. Wait a second. I'm not worried about getting myself hurt because I'm all very confident in my ability to protect myself and make sure everything's successful. But my wife and kids kind of force that whole other process of I got to take care of someone else beyond myself, not just within my work, but actually as part of me. It's a very interesting dynamic. How old are your kids? Uh, they're nine and 11 now. Okay. So it's still a decent age. So, yeah. so you, that you've had that feeling for quite a while. Yeah. 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 Mine are uh, five, three and, and almost one in a week. Ooh. And yeah, it definitely changed right when I had the first, but to have three, it's, I, I, I get that same feeling. But man, I, I just want to go a little bit into your book because there are some points in here and then we're, we're just going to have some fun after that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, you, you go into so much here and, and I think it's about, I mean, most importantly, and I, I highly suggest you guys, it's called Defending Your Life. Uh, find it on Amazon, buy it. I'm, all, I'm halfway into it. I literally got the book yesterday, started reading it today and I'm already halfway into it. It's, 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 easy, it's an easy read. But you talk about one thing that, that interests me uh, just starting off is you talk about how the body is a vessel almost. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh-huh. can you kind of explain what that is? You call this a child, basically what our body is as a child and how you, how, how you treat your child is how you should treat your body because it's separate from your spiritual divine being. Right. Right. I mean, like, I, like I, I actually, I remember this very clearly what I was writing. I, it's, it's something that I still have think to, actually talk about at least once a week with a patient. And, you know, basically, you know, your soul is like this divine entity and we're encased in this body, which is basically a child. And you want your child to be happy and you want your child to be healthy. Um, You want to be successful. 
but you also want to give your child a little bit of fun. Like, go out and play. Like, oh, have, we don't need to work all the time. We can play. Um, but, you know, you can see, you can taste, you can touch, you can smell. And that is your body's way of connecting you with the truth. And if your biochemistry is, is off, hey, you know, I eat Dairy Queen every day. I go to McDonald's all the time, and I have all these trans fats and sugars and inflammatory things going on. Um, it'll put your child or your body, your perceptive tool into this world, uh, into like a fight or flight response in less perceptive of what's happening now and more of just a fear response. And as we talked about, like if, you're, if your perceptive entity, your body, your child that you have to kind of take care of that wants things that maybe it shouldn't have, um, if you can control that, um, your ability to succeed in life is better. Yeah. You know, I mean, simply just because you're, you, you, uh, you can look at the world and just go, hey, I know 100% I'm right about my perception in this. I don't have to ever doubt myself. Yeah. Well, I think, and another thing that intrigued me about just, just that in general is that, and I never thought of it this way until I read it today, um, is that you described us as being angels. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. God's angels. And I'm not saying that that's a hundred percent right, I'm but, really. but I mean, dude, I've never, I've never thought of that before in my whole life to be in here 33 years on this, on this earth is that our soul or our, you know, what we are outside of this body is an angel or God. Right. And the only way to perceive what this playground is that you describe earth is through your child body or what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah it's kind of how you describe it. I just yeah. thought that that was fascinating. Well, I think it's, it's clear. Like you were saying is, you know, going back to like, you are the guardian angel of the person you see in the mirror. It's really true. And people, you think of yourself as a human, but really, I mean, what you are is an angel protecting this animal that you're embodied with here. And obviously you want the body to succeed and you want it to be happy. You want it to feel pleasure, but the goal is to keep it safe enough so it can achieve all of its purpose and being in way. Yeah. So we can kind of get into that, that a little bit. And I think in older times, things were a lot easier, right? Like you didn't have all this processed food, you know, people were hunting, hunting and gathering for, you know, their food and stuff like that. So I almost don't believe that. I mean, I guess disease would have been different back in those times, but what they were consuming wasn't what we're consuming today. How much of a role does that play with what we're consuming with all these processed foods and, and all that good stuff? Well, first off, there's a big mis misconception. So the big, big, can you hear me all right? Yeah, sorry. So the, the big misconception is that we have a much longer life expectancy today. Oh my gosh, you know, it doesn't matter. All the modern medicine is helping us live so much longer now than we did, you know, a thousand years ago. Well, it's not true when you, when you account for childhood mortality. Once our ancestors got past the age of about five, their life expectancy was actually one more year of healthy life than we have now. And, and then that just really comes down to like, hey, you know, there's wild animals out there. There may not have been um, is clean drinking water and you got an infection, maybe you didn't have the antibiotics. And I think that's one of the best things that our medical system is. That people say vaccines are, you know, the most amazing thing that medicine's ever come up with. Well, I think antibiotics are because antibiotics like, hey, you know what? You had a bad infection before and probably you're dying. Now, there's some antibiotic uh, natural things like, you know, Carvacrol and there's uh, grapefruit seed extract, and there's uva ursi and all these different natural antibiotics. Um, but it, it's really uh, antibiotics, when they created them now, were way overused. There's antibiotic-resistant you know, bacteria like MRSA, methicillin-resistant staph aureus. Um, but the 
the length of life that we have now is less than we had before simply because of our lifestyle and the fact that we don't live like humans. You don't sit inside a building all day, not getting exposed to the sun, banging down monster energy drinks, and uh, really being robbed of our purpose. Like people just sit there in a cubicle all day long in a 40 hour a week job doing business, filing TPS reports, you know, like business office space. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that's like, it's soul sucking. I worked for the Cerner Corporation at one point in time. No offense to the Cerner Corporation. Love them. Really nice people. Um, I hated doing computers. I hated working for Cerner. And uh, I felt like my, my whole life was going to be, I mean, it was just no reason to live. Why would you ever, why would I want to live like that when I hate computers? I hate staring at a screen all day, coming home with bloodshot eyes and the constant breakdown of my heart just living that way. Why would I even want to live longer? You know, I, now I have a reason to live longer. I want to take care of myself. I want to do all the right things so I can. But that's what humans do. Most people just exist and they, they tolerate being unhappy forever and just enough to survive. So just going into a little bit of, of your struggle, like with it, it and it's a, a recessive gene within your own family, right? Your brother, or your dad both had the same. Are you talking about the heart defect? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it's something that you struggled with and you had issues as well. Yeah. And you were able to overcome it through kind of your process and what you teach other people today. Yeah. Uh, well, to be clear, I still have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That has not changed. I'm working on it. I'm always working on it. I found actually a peptide. We do a lot of anti-aging stuff at the Epigenetics Healing Center. Um, it's my clinic. Um, I basically added in everything I want. That's what we do. Like, you know, I, I wanted hyperbarics and I wanted IVs, IV uh, nutrition that we actually make custom made stuff you can't get anywhere else in the country. And it's amazing. Um, we do the hormones. We do peptides, which is these anti-aging things. They do all sorts of different things like peptides. You, you know what peptides are? No idea. Really? Really? Oh, my God. It's like the, it's the, the, it's the coolest thing ever. So like things like right now, I'm having shoulder surgery in two days. Um. I'm taking BPC-157. It's a peptide. It's called the Wolverine drug, the Wolverine peptide. Um, it makes you heal like you're a 10-year-old. So you start healing just much faster. Everything heals faster. Just a pill a day. Um, it's amazing. Um, uh, my workout partner tore his hamstring, like a serious tear, bruising, all that. Put him on. I gave him my own script. But it's okay. <laughs> he needed it. Um, in about three weeks, he was 100% back, and we were working at legs again. No problem. He had a full tear. So is this something that you kind of discovered? No. No, I mean, it exists in anti-aging clinics. It's just stuff, like, I do a ton of research. And so you go, hey, this, I want this. So we find a compounding pharmacy. You go, oh, here, they all have the, they all have this. All right, so find whatever pharmacy we want to work with. Uh, we have a medical director, nurse practitioners, and we'll have people go in. Hey, I'm, I want to get younger. I'm hurting this way. I want BPC-157. So I'm taking that right now. But specifically, hexarelin. It's a for, it's a growth hormone secreting uh, a growth hormone releasing hormone. It makes your brain produce more growth hormone versus putting in growth hormone from the outside and shutting your brain off. It's like the healthier way to do it. It makes your brain produce it. Um, but hexarelin, of all things, it actually shows that someone with a uh, with a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy like mine, which is a small left ventricle of the heart. So instead of having a normal ventricle where you're making a big pump, big ejection fraction. Um, I have an extra muscle that kind of sits in there. So it's not a full chamber. So now I do this, trying to get blood through my body. Can't Your whole breathe. life so far. Whole life. Can't breathe very well. It's very hard. Hexarelin, this growth hormone secretagogue, dilates. It creates dilated cardiomyopathies, which isn't healthy either. So does it enlarge your heart or the muscle? What it does is, instead of, like a lot of things like 
testosterone um, and other growth hormones may actually grow and make more musculature and close that ventricle down more, which is the spot that pushes all around your body. This one dilates and pulls it outwards. So the chamber should become bigger. And sure enough, doing that is helping me breathe significantly better right away. When did you start taking it? I've only taken it for about a month, less than a month. Oh, so this is recent. I'm getting ready to get ready for my shoulder surgery because I want it to heal fast. So I'm using the BPC right. and the growth hormone secretagogue, um, which we do for our patients. And there's different ones. AOD 9604 uh, helps people become more uh, uh, insulin sensitive, not resistant. It's the opposite. It helps you utilize your insulin better to lose weight, uh, decrease your blood sugars on a consistent basis. Uh, you tend to sleep better on all of them. It helps you sleep deeper. Um, that's exciting. Uh, things like sermorelin is another growth hormone. It helps you lose some weight. Uh, B, uh, what is it? CJC1295 with no DAC. That's another growth hormone secretagogue. That one tends to get you more leaner, but hold on more muscle mass, and you also sleep deeper. So a lot of the, all these things you're describing, they're more on the, the natural side. Yeah, yeah they're, they're natural. Well, you know, what's, you know what an, another peptide is? And you don't think of it as natural, but insulin. When people get insulin, it's a peptide. They create a synthetic insulin out of peptides that basically looks just like yours. It's only bioidentical. It goes into your body, and your body uses, like for type 1 diabetics. Um, same type of thing. It's just, this is for the anti-aging, you know, wellness community. So you're trying to cure, uh, well, not cure, but you're trying to reverse aging. You know, a lot of people would say aging is a disease. That is actually a new, whole new world of research that's saying aging is a disease, we can beat that and not age anymore. Yeah, so because especially when you look into like old religious scripts, texts, all that, people living longer. But, you know, if something happened within that and God's like, no, you're not going to live this this much longer anymore. This is, you're only going to live 100 years or whatever it is. But I'd almost kind of agree with you in saying that it, it, it is a disease because of, from what all we've known in history, granted there are like videos you can watch of people in like the late 1800s stuff like that. But it, it, what we consume is, is basically like you said, motor oil earlier, right? Yeah, like yeah. a lot of things that we ingest, when you look on the back of these nutritional values on any type of food in the grocery store that you go to, <clears throat> you have no idea what it is. And you, you have these people on TikTok where they try and explain what these long words are. And they're like, Oh, it's good for you. Don't worry about it. That's a thing. And I, yeah. I get so annoyed by it. And I'm just going, why are you protecting so hard? Why? So are you so hard trying to protect things that have never been ingested by human beings until the last 30, 40 years, maybe 50 years. You know, I was at my workout partners this morning uh, before we went to the gym, still working out even though I'm having shoulder surgery. Tomorrow's actually uh, chest day. Not going to be fun, but I'll do it. Um, but his daughter was eating Funyuns. And so I just picked him up and I looked at the back and I'm like, every single one of these things is poison. Every single ingredient in Funyuns, no offense, Funyuns, this is not medical advice. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'll never tell any of my patients to eat Funyuns. And you know where, you know who gives you Funyuns? Down at KU Med. KU Med, in their chemotherapy area. Oh, my goodness. They come along with the cart to give you your food. They got the Funyuns. They got your high hose. You got your Twinkies, your Ding Dongs. You got your white bread with, with nitrate-rich, you know, ham on there from some packaged thing like Butig meat or whatever. I mean, the lowest quality in pop. That's what they get. Would you like some food while you're getting your chemotherapy and we're putting poison in you? I want you to ingest some too orally. How about that? It'll be good. It'll be good. Maybe we'll kill the cancer, but we'll make sure you come back in five years. As long as you live five years, you're in remission. We've cured you because you made it five years. Five years and one day you die. We still succeeded. We cured you. That's the way it works. It doesn't matter. Then you're a repeat patient. You know, have, have, I, have I talked to you about the continuity model of care that exists? 
I, I don't think you have, but I, I kind of know where you're going. Yeah. Okay. So I was speaking in uh, Dubai, Internet City. Um, I had someone come to me who's a best-selling author, a New York Times. Mine, I'm an Amazon bestseller, but a New York Times bestseller, uh, Perry Marshall, who wrote the 80-20 rule. Awesome, awesome book. 20% of what you do gives you 80% of the results. 80% of what you do gives you 20% of the results. And he puts it all in diagrams and shows you how it just repeats all throughout life. Very neat. Um, neither here nor there. He came to me. I'm in a courtyard. And he puts his hand on me. He goes, man, the, your your presentation today touched me. Um, what you're talking about is called a continuity model of care. Because like, you talk about what drug, do you, what drug other than antibiotics, which I am okay using if it's appropriate, um, other than antibiotics, can you name a single drug you ever get off of? He's like, yeah, there's none. It's none. It's a continuity model of care. If you got a thyroid, well, you got, you got hypothyroid, well, you're going to be on levothyroxine and synthroid the rest of your life. Diabetes, diabetes meds. Blood pressure, cholesterol, um, rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, Crohn's disease. Doesn't matter. You'll never get off a drug once you get on it. We accept that. And I'm, I'm, I'm a quack. I'm the guy who are like, hey, this guy doesn't know. Look, listen to all this crap. He says he can take people with MS and get them off all their meds and have them normal. And we do consistently, literally almost every single one, as long as they'll keep working with us. You know, it takes time. It takes money to do it, but it works and it's black and white and it, nobody believes it. And you go, yeah, you've just accepted the fact that your world-class neurologist, your world-class neurologist, the one, he's the best. Everyone says he's the best. Okay. Name one person they ever got off their medication. Just once, just one time. Tell me the one person with MS that they ever got off medication. So how, so how did we get to a point where that's the case? Where when you have legitimately amazing doctors out there who are extremely well at, at what they do, but at, at, I guess in some sense they've been brainwashed or they're in it for the money. Well, uh, so I'll say this. I, I'm sure there are some in it for the money. Don't get me wrong. Overall, I would imagine that most doctors are super good people. They're very smart people. They want to help people. It starts in their education where their steering boards of all their education are controlled by pharmaceutical companies. But you've, had, you've had that same education. Ah, so I went to chiropractic school. I went to quack school. So they just go, they go through, and we have medical doctors and PhDs teaching those, those classes. Went to naturopathic school. So with, with these things, you know, they may tell you in naturopathic school, oh, you have to, these, people should be on these herbs forever. Well, that's just green allopathy. It's like, hey, instead of using an antidepressant like Zoloft, we're going to have you take St. John's Wort. Well, it's still stupid. It's a continuity model of care. doesn't matter. You're not really helping people. You're just selling a supplement, just like they're selling a drug, which the same thing occurs, right? So uh, supplement companies will pay natural doctor schools. Like they'll give them money so that they can help steer curriculum, just like uh, the pharmaceutical companies do to medical schools. And people really do want to help you. The doctors really do. They're, they're, the whole thing is predicated on insurance, which insurance, does insurance make more money if you're sick or healthy? If you're sick. Okay. So it's a conflict of interest to utilize your insurance. I mean, when, when insurance starts paying for testing like we do, the most advanced testing in the world, it, you know, whereas they may run a CBC with differential, maybe a CMP, maybe a lipid panel at a medical's office, a medical office. Okay. We may run 900 different tests at my office because you're paying for it. I'm going to go ahead and run it. And we'll actually figure out why people are sick. Instead of just saying, this is what you have. I'm trying to put you in a diagnostic box. You have rheumatoid arthritis, so I'm going to give you Enbrel. I'm going to give you Humira for the rest of your life. We're going to try to understand why. Why do you have rheumatoid arthritis? 
You didn't always have it. Well, no, I guess I got it when I was like 22, 23. Okay. Well, there's a reason. It didn't just, you weren't born with it. It wasn't congenital. People get genetic and congenital confused. Genetic is something that's acquired. I own the Epigenetics Healing Center. It's instead of genotypic expression, it's phenotypic expression. You're actually bringing it to the forefront. You can have the gene and never express it. Like a spool of thread. Uh, you, you write a story on the thread, and it's wrapped up in this thread, uh, in the spool. That spool is a histone. It's inside your DNA. And when you get enough bad stuff happening, enough Fritos and tor- Tostitos and Totino's pizza rolls and <laughs> all this crap that doesn't even resemble food, then enough stress is on the system that you try to adapt. And that adaptation is the unrolling of that histone so your body can read the gene. It goes, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Why are you under that much stress? Let's do all the testing, figure out exactly why. Very black and white. There's no guesswork. It's just, here's everything. Now I sit down with you. I talk for an hour and figure out what testing to do. You know, it doesn't, not everyone gets every test. You know, that'd be a ridiculous amount of testing. Um, But once you sit down, you come up with, you go, huh, well, here it is. This, 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 and this. This is how you take care of those things. And every couple months, we'll redo the tests and see if we're fixing it. And almost across the board within, you know, I mean, depending on how intense people want to go with treatments, because we have all the treatments in the world. Um, but across the board, within a month or two, people are 50, 60, 70, 80% down with their condition and off drugs typically. And over the course of eight months, a little under 98.2% of our patients get 80% of symptoms resolved. So you're reversing it. You're not just, that's insane. Right. And they're off drugs and they're off supplements. Which those drugs and supplements that they're on are, are helping maintain the pain or the condition that they have. But I can only imagine it worsening their condition overall. Oh, well, so, that, so think about this. Ibuprofen, right? A bunch of people with bad joint pain, rheumatoid. I, I go back to rheumatoid arthritis because I had psoriatic arthritis where I couldn't use my hands anymore. You know, it was actually a disability. That's why I became a doctor. Because my doctor said, sorry, you're unlucky. It's genetic. You'll learn how to live with it. And I'm like, I don't want to live at all. This is the worst I've ever felt in my life. And you're saying I got have to be with it like this forever. So I tried to go a different route, try to figure out how to fix it. Now, in chiropractic school, they don't really teach you that. Just for the record. <laughs> They teach you how to adjust, and there's really good science there. I mean, you, the didactic work, three and a half years of chiropractic school is just all general sciences. And then the medical response would be like, well, we go through residencies. We learn all this. You go, right, but you only had one year of science. And so after that one year of science, your second year is pharmacology. And then your next two years of rotations, you're following other doctors around. And then you follow another one doctor around for three or four years. That's your residency, doing your thing. But your ability to question authority and try to understand what's going on and think beyond it is limited because your basic science was way back six, seven, eight years ago, and you only had one year of it. You understand? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, the point is, I talk about rheumatoid arthritis, and we talk about like ibuprofen. People will take that, or enteropathic arthropathy, ankylosing spondylitis, lupus, Sjogren's disease. All these things have a lot of joint pain. Sjogren's has some different manifestations, different skin to things with lupus, back and forth. Anyway, or with psoriatic arthritis. They take ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, what does it do? It will help, uh, it'll, it's, it, it'll knock out some of your cyclooxygenase, uh, part of your inflammatory response. But it also decreases the mucus on your gut lining. It also increases, uh, increases the ability of your gut lining to get damaged. That's why people end up with ulcers with it and th- things like that. Um, and if you're going to do that, uh, you're more likely to create more permeability in your gut lining. And then every food you bring in creates an inflammatory response. And then that's your continuity. Hey, I'm taking ibuprofen all the time. 
Continuity, here it comes. Oh, my more autoimmunity is kicking in. Well, the ibuprofen's not taking care of it anymore. Let's go to Enbrel. Let's go to Humira, which are biologics that just drop out a complete part of your immune system. Significantly increasing your risk of cancer, but you're going to feel better. This is insane. Like, it, And to me, it's just like, you, when you look at all these things combined, and what you're doing is, is wonderful for the amount of people that you've helped, but a lot of people don't seek out this information, and they, they only go with what mainstream medicine is to say. They'll go to the you know KU Med, or they'll go to these top hospitals where they treat you, like you said, and the they cure you. Right. Best doctors in the world. Right. Best doctors in the world. But like you said, it's just, it's just all... I mean, and I'm not saying that, that you're not in it for the money. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, I have it, to make a living. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? That's everyone's goal. But these big, I feel like these big hospitals, that's not what their what their main goal is. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, I guess you've stepped aside and you're like, I'm going to figure out what's going on with these things. Whereas they already had systems in place and they're just checking the boxes to see if these if they, these people meet the criteria for that system to occur. And then it's just, it's just business as usual. Yeah, I mean, and they're so numb to it right now. They just know you're never going to get better. And I train doctors about four times a year. I go down to Miami Beach. We stay at Trump International Resort. And I have a bunch of osteopaths and medical doctors come down, and I give them three years. It's the transformation weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I give them eight hours a day of my – I'm just going nonstop, you know, just nonstop going to educate them on how to look at labs differently, how to think through it. Like I'm training both my nurse practitioners right now, one hour – uh, a week on a, on a Monday, we do grand rounds. They bring all their charts in and we talk about like thinking beyond it. You know, they go, whoa, this person's liver enzymes are up. They need a liver supplement. Like, no, think about this now. Their liver enzymes are up. What does the liver do? And I'm going to, let me ask you, because I want you to get this answer wrong. I expect it. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't feel bad. For sure. What does the liver do? It detoxifies. Right. Yeah. Except that's not the main thing your liver does. It actually deaminates proteins. It takes proteins apart. It's the most important job of your liver. Taking proteins apart. Okay. So if we bring in, we have a damaged gut lining, and we're bringing all these foods in, medium and large-sized food particles instead of tiny morsels of nutrients coming in into the portal vein and up to the liver, well, your liver's going to have to deal with all that. It's a lot more stuff to deal with. So enzymes are going to go up because now you have another job to do. Well, your liver is also responsible for maturing white blood cells. It's also responsible for making all your cholesterol, make all your hormones, your brain tissue, uh, regenerate uh, cell membranes. It does a lot of things. So when you see liver enzymes go up, you don't just try to make the liver work faster. You have to figure out why the liver's now struggling to get its job done. And that's like thinking beyond what a typical doctor would think. Oh, your liver enzymes are high. You must be drinking too much. You go, I don't drink. Yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah, you just need to stop drinking. Like They said they didn't drink. Listen to somebody. Right. You know, there's something else going on here. You know, you're, are you banging down McDonald's three times a day? Well, no, I actually eat a really clean diet. I don't do any of these things that damage my gut. Okay, well, clearly it's not your diet. Do you have something infectious? Maybe. So we test, and you go, oh, yeah, you do. You have a clostridia infection in your gut. You don't have osmotic diarrhea like you would at a hospital, but you have it at, to a point where it's actually creating an inflammatory process within your, your gut, and you're having to mature white blood cells. So it has nothing to do with your liver being a problem and everything to do with your liver working hard to try to mature white blood cells to kill that infection. How did you find the infection? Well, so we use different testing. So we'll use regular testing like your medical doctor would, except way, way, way more in depth, you know, blood and whatnot. Sometimes you do a stool sample. Sometimes you use an organic acid test, which is a urine test. And that looks at certain urinary metabolites that come out and you go, hey, this person's got a really high level of four cresol. That would show that you have a clostridium difficile, C. diff infection. 
but you can also look at sporogenes, perforins, all these other clostridia. You know, Botox is a clostridia. That's so it. you would almost be the doctor that people wouldn't want to go see, because if you <laughs> if, if if they're like, hey, I just want a general checkup of you know just a, a stool sample and a urine sample just to see how my health is, how it's going. All that you're going to be able to do that like on a, ma- a magnification that a normal hospital wouldn't. wouldn't. Never, yeah, they, I mean it just it's consistent, consistent, consistent. When we have patients like a, well, a lot of pe- like a lot of people with cancer will come to my clinic. I don't treat cancer. I treat patients who have cancer, and a lot of the time, you know, those those type of diagnosis tend to get changed as we work with them. Meaning, a lot of time they'll say, "Oh, well, you don't have cancer." You know, it's really interesting the way all that works. But yeah, so over and over, like we have a patient right now, this young woman, uh, incredible person, little kids, she's early 30s, uh, wonderful husband. She has metastatic ovarian cancer all over her body. And they gave her like zero prognosis, like terrible prognosis. They can't, they put her on letrozole, which if you don't know what letrozole is, it basically shuts down estrogen completely at 30, early 30s completely shuts down estrogen levels. Shut it off for a 30, low 30 years. But they're going, this is the only way to stop it because these are all estrogen-producing cancers, tumors. So I ran real in-depth testing. So typical doctors would run like four or five hormones at most. You know, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, pregnenolone. That's basically what a doctor's going to run. We run 67 hormones and their metabolites on how you're breaking them down. And so we do this testing. I go, well, shoot, you're making a ton of estrogen still. And you're making three cancer-causing metabolites, 4-hydroxyesterone, four 4-hydroxyesterodial, four and 16-alpha-hydroxyesterone. Those are proliferative cancer-causing estrogens. And you've got them in spades. They're high. I'm like, this is the issue. We can block these pathways and stop this from happening. So she takes it to her doctor oncologist. And he's like, I've never seen this. This is amazing. This is exactly why you still have cancer. This is why it's still growing. And so trying to figure things out. In the meantime, I go, you know, we can block these pathways. So we have, um, and we're taking through a whole treatment protocol. Really neat because we use a, we'll use traditional medical testing uh, for cancer tumor markers, like a CA-125 in this case, CA-199. There's all these different tumor markers. You've heard tumor markers? I haven't. Huh? So I'm sorry. I'm turning this into Dude, a big medical you're, thing. You're fine, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll run all this, the typical tests that they do. They're not perfect tests. No test is perfect. We also run this really in-depth test uh, for tumors. The only drawback on this one, I'm going to tell you the drawbacks of the other ones, but uh, the tumor test drawback is called Nogalase. This, the Nogalase is an enzyme that tumors will secrete into your bloodstream. And at high levels, you know, hey, there's something funny going on. The drawback is it can also pick up chronic viruses. So if you've got a chronic virus, well, it may not be cancer at all. But for patients that come in who've already been diagnosed with cancer, I can say, well, here's where you are right now. If we see that going down, we know we're succeeding, right? Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. Objective. Yeah. So um, we're treating this this girl, just trying to make her healthier and healthier, out-healthing sickness, out-healthing cancer, just to make her that healthy. And uh, the Nogalase keeps going down. The CA-125 in the last five months has gone up dramatically. It should be 10. It's at 150. So we just, uh, so the way the story goes, we decide we're going to do this treatment for a month, like really intensive treatment to try to improve her body and get her immune system working right. And hopefully we'll out-help this situation. And uh, we did a Nogalase before and a CA-125 before. We did a Nogalase and a CA-125 afterwards. 
Well, the Nautilus is a cool proprietary high-end test. It takes a little while to get back. CA-125 comes back sooner. So I see her in her IV room, like, hey, how's it going? This, you know, I wanted to talk to her about some different things, find out some different stuff, because CA-125 can respond to tuberculosis. If you have that, it'll go up. It can respond to uh, infections in the intestine. Any inflammation in the intestine will push up CA-125. Well, the CA-125, I told him, like, it's like 150. She's tears, crying. I got to call my oncologist right now. Like, he should come on speed dial. Because, I mean, she's a young girl with the whole life ahead of her, and it looks like th bad things are happening. And she's like, oh, my God, my CA-125, this, I need to get another scan. She gets her scan, and while we're waiting on the scan, the Nogalase comes back. And I go, Nogalase shows you're about 20% better. It's actually gotten significantly better. The scan agreed. The scan said, oh, yeah, it actually is better. It's, it looks better. CA-125, traditional medical testing, could drive someone nuts. And a lot of oncologists will, a lot of oncologists will do this. They'll go, listen, the scan's just not picking up. It's at a smaller level. we got to hit you with more chemo and radiation and do some more surgery and things like that. It's a fear-based thing that would wreck that person, give them more of a chance of dying. So the Nogalase basically said, no, it's not. It's, you're actually getting better. So since it, had, what was the, the first one? CH1? CA125. CA125. So just because it was higher than it was supposed to be, the, the Nogalase, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nogalase. The Nogalase, that showed improvement. So that's just a sign saying, hey, don't necessarily worry about that, that it's so high because this is doing better. Yeah, this is, it's showing you. And then the, the scan mirrored that exactly. Scan showed she got better. This showed she got better. And now we're going through, like, just don't worry about the CA-125 so much. I don't know why that is a situation. You know, I said, did you go to Mexico? Have you gone to these different countries where tuberculosis is high? Because maybe you have some kind of underlying tuberculosis infection, which I probably should talk to her. I won't talk to her this week because I'm gone for the week. Uh, but maybe the following week, talk to her about just getting a tuberculosis test. Just be like, let's just run it. Yeah. I have no reason to believe you have tuberculosis. None. But that CA-125 keeps going up and it is not reflecting what's actually happening with your tumors. So do you think, I mean, like you, like you described, there are a lot of things that are genetically passed down from family to family, but the ones that aren't, I would almost venture out to say that that is caused by diet. Like when you do studies or research in other countries where the food isn't processed and doesn't have all these chemicals, which is probably harder and harder to come by when unless you're in like a third world country where they're still doing, you know, hunting, hunting and gathering right. types of things. Is there anything to suggest that it is just all the food? Do you see those types of chronic diseases happening in third world countries? Granted, I know it's not right. a clean process and how they eat and do all those things, but it, it, it is our diet, yeah? Yeah, I mean, there's... So keep in mind that the genetic stuff is still getting unraveled and still being expressed because of your diet. So it, you can say it's genetic, but that doesn't mean you're ever going to get it unless what you're eating or what you're doing is causing you to express it. So you're right. not going to get diabetes unless... Like type 1, you consider it a dairy issue. Casein one, A1 protein looks just like pancreatic beta cells. You drink milk from a cow. It has casein A1 protein. It perfuses the gut. Your body recognizes it, creates a memory cell, and then it goes, oh, here's pancreatic beta cells. I recognize this. Oh, I'm not producing insulin anymore. Look, your kid's diabetic. It's genetic. Well, there's a genetic component. If you didn't have that weakness as a possibility, it wouldn't happen. Right. But what you did caused it. But yeah, you talk about other countries. The problem is right now we're in a global world where we have the World Economic Forum controlling things, the World Health Organization, forcing company, countries to accept certain things. Um, you know, like, you know, with, you know, and I don't care what, everyone can have different opinions on these things, but when you talk about, you know, the vaccine issue, um, and vaccines, I did all the research on it. I actually sat there and read 
all the papers that did on Moderna, on Pfizer, and on uh, Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson. And let me just be clear, the way they did the math is real funny to give you the uh, success rates. And, they're, and it's bearing out now. People are like, oh, it's much, much less. You don't realize how much less. Um, but what I'm going to say is, you know, there was like four countries out there who refused the vaccine. And all four of their prime ministers, kings, whatever, were killed within weeks. And then all of a sudden the vaccine got brought in. I mean, it's very weird stuff. Very. I, no. I don't want to be too crazy right. here. <laughs> I'm just saying there's some weird stuff out there. No, it's the place to be crazy, man. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, if, if, if there's only 20%. There's research to show this. Only 20% of the population can even question authority. Is even like able to actually question authority. 80% of people will go with whatever the authorities Yeah. And, and it's a it's a weird situation where, I mean, maybe ignorance is bliss, maybe, um, unless... Yeah, know, but you, if that's the case and you, you take the blue pill as opposed to the red pill, you probably wouldn't be here right now. I would not be here right now. Yeah. No, I, w- I would actually... And, I, and I, to tell you the truth, I was a no-good piece of shit before, honestly. I mean, it was like a whole ascension of in worlds, like in realities. Like, if you think about, like, a book with all that paper back to back to back, they're not one thing. They're against each other. Kind of like um, the realities of your mind, like ascending within different planes of reality. When you free yourself, you can pop up the the ladder. That's what I kept saying. It was like, once the kids and the wife happened, I was like, I was so beyond fear. You know, faith is the opposite of fear. I really do believe that. Like, love is the opposite of fear. And if you're moving with love in life, um, you can achieve so much. If you allow fear to guide your decisions, I don't know if you've read this part in the book. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> no, but, you're good. But uh, I really believe that Love is the opposite of fear. And if you in if you believe in any higher power, if you believe in any higher power, you believe in God, you believe in, you know, whatever you believe in, Allah, whatever. If you believe in that, you believe that that is love, not fear. That is the opposite of fear. So anytime you allow fear to guide any of your decision, you've turned your back on God. You've crawled away from God and you've walked into darkness. And so... You know, ignorance is bliss. You follow. You're like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. You're thinking. But there's about 20% of people who can think and go, well, the authorities are bad. Sometimes the authorities are bad. And you go, yeah, but it's probably not as black and white as that because there's probably some good stuff mixed with the bad and you have to really discern everything and it creates a little extra stress on your life. Um, But I feel like I had overcome fear entirely to become a doctor after, hey, I I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know if you know this. Um, I don't think I got into it in depth in there, but... I was hanging out in crack houses. I was, I mean, I was shooting up in hotel rooms. I was a very sick person. And it took me, you know, I was in a, in a room. So down in Troost, you know, bad area. And I'm sitting on, there's all the carpets ripped up. It's just cinder block flooring. And I'm sitting on a couch. There's no cushions. So I'm sitting on a couch. And the guy next to me just shot up some heroin. He's in this little swivel yellow chair. And uh, he's just kind of laid out. We're passing a joint around, and there's some people sitting between. There's dog shit all over the floor. So they're sitting. There's a person, dog shit, person, dog shit. No one's picking up the crap. It smells rancid and awful in there. And I, I took the joint, and I took a hit, and I go to hand it to the heroin guy who's like, he can't say a word. I'm like, well, clearly you've had too much. We'll just move on to the next. And I looked around. I blew out my hit, and I looked around. I'm like, the hell did I do with my wife? Like, this is, this isn't good. And so I went and went back to my, I called my parents. My parents are still together. That was probably my saving grace. And uh, I said, I want to come home. They said, yeah, you can come home. My dad said, you can come home, but you're going to go to college. You can't not go. I'm like, I don't need to go to college. I'm going to go to Hollywood and be famous. 
He's like, not if you're going to live in this house. You're going to go to college. So I went to Johnson County Community College, trying to detox from all the drugs, you know, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day at that point, um, trying to clean up, staying away from all my friends. Like, wouldn't answer the phone calls, just would stay home. I was ended up work, I was I went from 195 pound tailback in high school, uh, who had all the possibilities of greatness, to a 138 pound drug addict in a very short period of time. Me at 138 pounds it happens quick. It does. You don't know what's happening. It just it just happened. And uh, at living at my folks' house, I got up to 230 pounds of basically muscle. I worked worked out four hours, four days a week, and just ate like 100 chicken wings and like everything I could get my hands on. I just kept eating. Well, at some point in time, I ended up with autoimmune disease and couldn't use my hands anymore. You know, I just, like, what's happening? I got scabs and scales over my skin and big basketballs for hands, and it was a horrible situation. Um, anyway, if I would have just gone with authority, I'm sorry, you're unlucky, it's genetic. You'll learn how to live with it. You know, I wanted to die because I, why would anybody ever marry me? I, why, why would, I couldn't find a girl that wouldn't be like, well, you're sluffing all your skin off on me. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, let's swipe on some Tinder. Who wants some of this? Yeah. And, you know, give them the, the odd skin dis- disorder. And then I'm like, well, if I had kids, well, why, why I can't play ball with my kids. I'm an athlete. Hey, Dad, you want to play catch with me? Well, no, go ask Mom. You know, Dad can't. Dad's hands don't work. You know, you feel like death. Like, I, I wanted to die. And... uh the doctor tells me, I'm sorry, you're unlucky. It's genetic. You learn how to live with it. The hell is that? Yeah, for the rest, it's a death sentence. I got a death sentence. Yeah. And that's why I became a doctor. Graduated valedictorian in my class. Got a second doctorate. Graduated valedictorian in my class. Spent three years becoming in functional endocrinology, immunology, biochem, and physiology, becoming a chiropractic internist, which, you know, it's all fake, you know. You know, if it's all the super advanced testing and biochemistry we do to get patients better, I mean, the snake oil, snake oil and all the voodoo's in the back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, you know what's funny? They talk about snake oil. Do you know what profession actually sold snake oil? The vaccines. Med- well, no, well, vaccines for sure. But the medical profession. Yeah. I mean, that was actually what they sold was snake oil to cure people. I mean, and now they're saying this is snake oil. It's not medicine. Yeah. Actually, snake oil was medicine. What are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, that a lot of, and that's what makes it. I'm curious too about just old ancient medicine and all that stuff. But that's a whole other probably rabbit hole. But when you talk about like you know. You got better. You you fought. You 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 went against the addiction. You you made it out. You got rid of that as well. But that is almost like an accumulation of you were going down the wrong path. You dropped eighty pounds in a short period of time. You went from one addiction to another. Granted, it was working out, but right. the, the food the food probably wasn't as healthy. So that's just a combination. And people forget, man. Like your kids, my kids don't eat healthy. You know, and and it's very frustrating that we've allowed these habits to start, you know, with sugar and all these types of things. And again, you go to it, you go into it in the book as well. They started like start eating solids at one year old, like one. Right. And, and we started actually giving our six month old when he started eating solids. Then you start finding out you have these diseases in your twenties. That's 20 years of eating these foods, 20 years of consuming all these things that are bad for you on top of like, you know, if you don't get a cigarette addiction when you're in your twenties or, or alcohol or drugs, like you, like you talked about, right. That's only doubling down on what you've done to your body in 20 years. So like that's, it it all makes sense that this is why you see all this disease and all these types of things. You, you advise maybe eating local meats. Yeah. Like grass fed, grass grass fed, fed, grass finished, pasture raised, frolicking cows, super happy ones that don't have to be eaten by the cougar. Right. Because it's just getting ripped apart while it's alive. We actually, if listen, (laughs) I shot a TikTok video on that, which is like, 
you know, save the animals, eat more meat. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's true. Like, you know, they're happy, they're frolicking, as long as you're not doing factory farms of just keeping right. them penned up and not able to move and shoved with antibiotics all the time or like chickens getting plucked while they're still alive and their beaks seared off so they can't peck at each other. I mean, that's some nasty stuff people do. I don't even know. How, how do you come up with these torture methods for right. your food? It's like the crazy. There's some evil out there. There is. There's some evil. Um, with that being said, um, you go from, and actually, we're I'm actually about to patent something. It's coming up. Okay. I'm doing a supplement for cows that should make them uh, anti-carcinogenic, anti-inflammatory, and anti-anxiety to eat cows. Um, because we're talking about grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised cows. We just ran um, a big food science study actually measuring all the contents of the meat in 100% grass-fed versus traditional corn-fed tortured meat. The fatty acid profile is literally like 1 to 1, omega-3 to omega-6. That's better than the human being actually needs. You only need uh, omega-6 is 3 to omega... Uh, omega-6 is 3 to omega-3 is 1, inflammatory to anti-inflammatory. They're 1 to 1. It's like ultra anti-inflammatory. Then we're about to start with six more cows doing a supplement. I just did some research on the enzymes in a cow's stomach and how we can create these things in the meat. So we're going to put in, we're working with a food scientist out of Canada and uh, we're going to measure to see how much B17 and uh, some cannabinoids we can put in the meat as long as, as well as high omega-3s and see what it'd be like. Basically, um, it's really interesting how it all works, but the big, you know, if you ever go get, have you ever bought grass-fed meat? I, I have, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, like, you've heard of Thousand Hills Farms or you've heard of different Dakota farms or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those farms is not one farm. That is a farm who contracts with all these other grass-fed farmers. And those grass-fed farmers all have to live by a certain way of feeding the meat to sell it to that company. And that company then gets in your big box store. So our goal is to find a way, uh, once we can prove it, you know, with the actual research and go, hey, we put this food in. And voila, these cows are going to be anti-carcinogenic, anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety. It does work. You can see the levels in the meat. Then we go talk to the big stores, the big, the big conglomerators of grass-fed meats. And you go, hey, I'd recommend doing this for a higher end. This is what this is going to do for your meat. Right. So that's insane. Yeah. But I'm going to patent it. As soon as we get the results back, I'll patent it right. overnight. Yeah. I mean, and I guess with those types of things, they're doing the study right now. Right. With these products, with anything, it takes time yep. to make sure that there's no side effects for the cows, all the all those types of things. So that's awesome, man, that it's yeah. not that it hasn't been done before, because, again, it's all what you put into your body. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Eating a stressful cow definitely probably doesn't, you know, what it does to their body. I can only imagine. Well, you know, you know, the marbling, the great marbling in a corn fed steak. You seen the mar marbling? Oh, yeah. That's intramuscular fat. That is arachidonic acid, which is pure inflammation. That's where you make all your asthma. That's where you make your joint pain. And that's where you make your blood clots. All within the arachidonic acid. That's the cascade in your body. It's called arachidonic acid. So you don't want that. You don't. Well, you, you need some of it. Right. Because there's a purpose. But not at 22 to 1 like a traditional standard American diet. 3 to 1 is okay. Right. My goodness, dude. What do you, how do you get all this done in one day? Or not in one day, but at, in, in a year or just, dude, you're constantly busy. Con yeah, I am. And, and I try to, um, I try, to, I specifically plan freedom. You have to plan out your freedom. If you're going to be a successful person, if you're a successful person, you will find out that there's nothing that stops you from succeeding more. Like I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. 
But there's also people that should be important in your life that you need to connect with empathetically. Not, I'm running by you. I can't deal with all your problems. I got my own thing. This is what I'm learning right now. I'm, I'm dead serious being honest with you. You know, I was talking about my family today because over the last week, now I, I, I was able to take away from my kids and understand, like, I need to spend time with my kids because I was speaking internationally and all these. Are, I worked with a former prime minister in Thailand. I've worked with um, a royal family out in the Middle East. Um, I've done the, the, the epigenetic symposium out in Tokyo. But I missed a lot of time with my kids. There's, when they're little, they move so fast. Yeah. So I'm gone for two weeks. I'm like, oh, my God, you're a totally different person. And so I was missing parts of their life. And so I was able to back off that. I'm like, I'm not going to speak internationally for a while. I'm going to spend time with my family. And that was my kids. But my wife still has needs, too, of me giving her attention. And she has her own issues that I have to sit back and be like, okay. Well, you know what? She's not me. She's not a man. She is a woman. She has her own ways of seeing things. She's not the same as me. And I need to have a spot in my heart for that. I need to have empathy for that. So that's my next frontier is uh, really growing, not just in success upwards, but able to surround my family with more love and help bring them with me. Yeah, there's a, there's a good balance for sure. Yeah. And to, to bring the balance together with work and family, I think that that's very important. And, you know, it, it is going to be a tall task for sure, but I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do it with everything else that you've done, Jay. My goodness, man. So it, so that's that's your venture right now is working from home, helping people here in the Kansas City area. Well, I mean, I still have my clinic. Right. I mean, I have a big clinic. Yeah. But it, the venture is when I come home is to leave everything at work. I'm going to be home for my family. Yeah. Um, you know, like before I came here tonight, laying in bed with my family, watching a movie, yeah. watching The Mask, which is a good movie. Very good movie. Really, was really enjoying it. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, really trying to not get up. You know, you can't get upset when you're a perfectionist. You tend to be more explosive about things. Why aren't you getting this right? Why aren't you doing this right? You know, I put all this work in. I made all this work. Why can't you do that? Well, not everyone's going to be that way, and you don't need to freak everyone out and just be like, you don't need to work out work like that. You know, um, when I'm talking to patients who are sick, you know, we have, I mean, again, our success rate is incredibly high with things that are deadly, un, deadly and incurable. You know, it's incredibly, it's so funny. I, I, get, I get a bad result on a patient. I feel like I'm a failure and everything's wrong in my life. But it's like less than two out of a hundred people who ever have that result. And all of the people that I'm seeing are basically a spot that they'll never get cured. They'll always be on meds the rest of their life. They'll always be disabled. And all 98.2 out of a hundred people that we see that get better, a hundred percent of them weren't getting better unless they came to my clinic. 100%. And yet I still, you know, any perfectionist, you fall down on the, the one. Oh, that one guy. Oh, yeah. That I one. bet. Think about him for a year. Think about him for two years. Like, what could I have done differently? What could I have done differently? Yeah. Um, but I don't need to force, I don't need to get upset with my family because they're not perfect on 98.2% of everything. So have you done any type of research on people who are healthy? Healthy people. Yeah. And just kind of see, like, how their body runs in a healthy, in a healthy landscape or environment, right? Because... I think it's fascinating that some people's bodies, you know, are able to with, 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 I can't even talk, withhold or withstand, sorry, more pain than someone else when they're both doing the same exact thing. Uh, okay. So you're, you're speaking about like the perception of pain. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, so let's just, let's say you put two people who are both, I don't know, alcoholics, right? Or two people. Uh, yeah. I think alcoholics would be the easiest one. One person develops chronic, you know, liver disease or whatever it's called. Yep. And the other one 
drinks until they're 80 or 90 years old. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like the, that type of. There are some genetic differences there. So you know what glutathione is? Glutathione? Mm -mm. So glutathione is your body's major antioxidant. It protects you against aging and breakdown. We'll do some of the biggest genetic testing in the world too. 90 pages, line by line data, and I take it all together. It takes me a few hours, and I put together basically a picture of your genes, and I go, hey, these you don't seem to be expressing over here because we've run some other labs. You can see that's not a big deal. You're having some real problems here, and you have all these genetic markers that you don't make enough XYZ. In this case, we're talking about glutathione. So glutathione, your body's major antioxidant, you don't have a lot of that. So you know what hydrogen, hydrogen peroxide is? Yeah. Okay, everyone knows. Hydrogen peroxide. You got a cut, you, you pour some stuff in the wound, it bubbles. Mm -hmm. It bubbles. Did anyone ever tell you, like, you keep pouring it in until it stops bubbling to make sure you killed whatever it was? No, no, no one said that. My brother told me that when I was a kid. He's a real brilliant guy. Um, <laughs> but basically, when it's bubbling, it means there's a chemical reaction. The glutathione turns into glutathione peroxidase, which is an enzyme that breaks down hydrogen peroxide, along with catalase, but we don't need to get in the weeds. Um, so my brother used to have me pour it in until the bubbling stopped. So at that point in time, you've ate up all of your glutathione. You've eaten up all of your glutathione, and you're actually damaging yourself. But the reason I brought that up is because glutathione is a deficiency a lot of people have who end up with liver disease because the alcohol going in, they need that to protect their liver, and that's where you end up with cirrhosis. By the way, our cirrhosis numbers are 100% perfect at this point. You can't get rid of the scar tissue, but we can make the rest of your liver so efficient that the cirrhosis doesn't matter anymore, and your liver works perfectly. That's insane. 100% insane. So, so question, is is the liver the only organ in the body that can regenerate itself? I think everything regenerates on a slow, different speeds. Okay. Like your neurologic system regenerates super slow. Like super slow. That's, it's so hard. Uh, you know, we've seen, we're about 50-50 on getting people better with Parkinson's. Yeah. And I tell you what, I'd publish. I'd publish some of the stuff we're doing with people with irregular cells, cancers. I'd, I'd, I'd publish stuff about the MS stuff that we're seeing. I talked to an attorney about it, and he said, don't do it. They'll shut your clinic down. He Do not, do not publish. I think it's great what you're doing. Do not publish it. So there's the pushback. And it's very specific. Like, I was like, I was so excited. I was telling him because I was excited. I'm like, I'm going to publish this because we were talking. I was talking to the guy. About, not about this. And I said, it's amazing what we're doing. It's like consistent, reproducible. Everyone gets the same result. It all goes away. It's amazing. And, he, and I'm like, I'm going to publish. I'm going to put together a big case studies. I'm going to bring all the charts together and just put it out and show all the different patients and how they responded. He goes, I think that's great. Do not publish it. They will shut your clinic down before you can say, you know, boo. So, okay. Attorney says that. We go with the attorney. Yeah. But that's unfortunate because that, that is not progression, you know? No, it's not. You know? That's, <laughs> that's the scary part that we live in, man, is that you can find something that's helping so many people, but that, that's just not the outcome that they want. No. And that's the dismalness that I hate about, you know, this playground that we're on or that we're in. And I just don't foresee that changing. So I guess you just go case by case and do what you do and help who you can while you can do it. Yep. And, it, and I've had patients say, like, I'm surprised I hadn't heard of you before. This is amazing. You know, like, I can't believe that I hadn't heard of you. Go, I really can't advertise these things. It's got to be word of mouth. You have to tell people. Yeah. I can't go online and do this. I tried to play that game once with a woman who had metastatic breast cancer. Purple, dark purple breast. She came and saw me. She was diagnosed and then didn't do anything. She didn't want to do chemo and radiation and all that. Uh, so she just kept looking and just thinking for five years. And when she came to see me, I was doing a presentation. She's like, can you help me? And she pulled her breast out, 78 years old. Dark purple, black, really. Multiple nipples had formed. Really bulged out and then dipping back inwards. It, I'm like, she's like, can you help me? And she's crying, 78-year-old woman. And I said... Um, I don't know. I'd love to talk to you and see what we can do. 
And so got an appointment really quickly, got her on the books, like just, just fit her in. And so we started treating. And then in, in uh, I think in two months, we were 80% down on all of her tumor markers and things were looking better. Uh, oh, she had metastasized to her kidneys, her liver. She had liver failure, kidney failure, and it did something weird with her thyroid too. Anyway, in about eight months, everything's gone. Jesus. It, it all looks perfect. Um, so I think it's great. I do an, a, a Facebook Live. And I go, hey, I don't treat cancer because I don't treat cancer. I just try to get people healthy and try to out health sickness. And uh, she goes, it's amazing. Like, it's all gone. Like Everything is like perfect. This is what she says. And I just show some labs. Like here's the labs before and after. Three days later, I got a letter from the attorney general saying cease and desist. This is medical fraud. So that's terrifying because, you know, I'm relatively young in practice, probably like three or four years in. And uh, I'm very excited about this. And I always think this conspiracy stuff is not real. No one's going to st- listen. If you're doing these great things, um, no one's going to really come at you. That's just something that people say online to make themselves look good. It happened. The attorney general sent the letter. And then I fought the attorney. I, I fought with the healing arts board in Kansas. With my attorney, $550 an hour, uh, for three years. And then in the end, they go, well, you weren't using DC after your name. You were using this PSCD, which I was told to do because it's Dr. Pastoral Science, so the Healing Arts Board can't come after me. You said that you can cure thyroid and diabetes. That's unethical marketing, and that's a lie. You can't do that. I said, okay. This is what I agreed to as a plea agreement. Because they said, yeah... You, you haven't done anything wrong, but we've decided we're going to do this and this and this, or you can accept this deal and we'll publicly censor you and tell everybody that you're a quack. And I'm like, this isn't true. I didn't do anything wrong. And my attorney said, that's fine. You can keep fighting with them, but they're the people that already made that decision. So in the end, they can just take your license or you can just pay the fine of, I think it's like 2,500 bucks and have them tell everybody that you're a quack. He's like, and you'd pay me an extra seventy-five dollars to $100,000 as well <laughs> just to fight it. Oh, my goodness, man. And you go, they got deep pockets. Oh, yeah. Just do it. They're and endless. So when the uh, Kansans for Health Freedom contacted me and they wanted me to speak at the Capitol because they were trying to mandate more vaccines. And they said, I just want you to break down research for them because I, I make research seem really easy. When I break it down, I'm like, oh, this is how you make those numbers. Yeah. Well, so I spoke at the, uh, at the Capitol. I sat next to Lee Norman, who, run, who was the, uh, the president of the uh, Kansas Department of Health and Environment, who does all the vaccine-type stuff. And I sat right next to him. He didn't know me. I knew who he was. He didn't know me. And I just sat there, and I looked at all the papers he was ruffling through before the presentations began. So I went up to the front, and I said, they're going to tell you this. <laughs> and I hit every one of his talking points. And I go, let me explain why that is only a partial truth, and it's fear-mongering. And I did this thing, and I broke all the labs down. I go, it doesn't even make sense. They did a primate study on the whooping cough vaccine. And they go, yeah, primates were saved by getting the whooping cough. They didn't die when they, they got the vaccine and they got exposed. They didn't die. But they still got whooping cough, and they still were able to spread whooping cough. So it does not protect anyone other than the person who gets the vaccine. If it's going to help you, if you believe in them, fine. If you don't, that's fine, too. It doesn't protect anyone other than the person who gets it. So don't say it's a public health concern. It's not. That is a sales pitch because your Congress people, because your elected officials have been bought off by lobbyists. Force everyone to get this product that I make a profit on. 
That's a perfect business model. That's the 80% right there. That's the 80%. Yeah. And they try to force the 20% to get it on top. And that's where they get the pushback. Just leave people alone. Because it's never enough money. It's never enough. And I think that's the evil thing. And, the, and that's what people say, right? Uh, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a great service. I'm going to do something for you that no other doctor can do in the world. I, I promise you that. Like, there's lots of people who say, I do functional medicine. Okay, I'm sure you do. You don't do it like this. You haven't been doing it for 12 years. You don't run all these labs, and you're not able to conglomerate all the information together and be like, this is exactly how you do it. No one does that. And we've had patients from 18 different countries flying to the epigenetics here in Kansas City. Um, neither here nor there. I spoke at the Capitol, told all Lee Norman stuff, went through all the research, did a great job. All the Kansans for Health Freedom people were telling you, you're so brave. I'm so glad you did this. You're so brave. I'm like, why the heck am I brave? I'm just telling things as it is. I'm just doing some research. Well, there was a guy that worked for a, a journal. He's a scumbag. And he had meningitis, and he is a big thing for big pharma. They're the only ones that saved my life. And so he didn't like the fact that I said, hey, meningitis, it's like less than 1% of people that actually show these bad symptoms of skin sloughing off and things like that. They're fear-mongering that everyone needs to get a meningitis vaccine. It's crazy. You have to go through so many barriers to actually have meningitis affect you. Well, he sent his stuff article to multiple newspapers, and then he sent it to both healing arts boards, Kansas and Missouri. Now, in Kansas, it's the most corrupt medical board that exists in the country. Well, maybe Texas is pretty bad, too. But Kansas, of all places, so corrupt that uh, they started sending me subpoenas week after week. As soon as I left, we want all your charts. We want all your charts. Talk to the people at Kansans for Health Freedom who have people in the legislature. And they said they specifically mentioned Dr. Goodbinder. They are going to make an example out of you. Like, really? Subpoena, subpoena. My attorney goes, get out of Kansas. So now I'm in Missouri. Now Missouri has a chiropractic board. I don't have to answer the medical doctors anymore. And all chiropractors basically in the country know who I am because I'm known for that. Like every chiropractor, like if someone's really sick, they send them to me. They go, yeah, go to him. He knows what he's doing. Um, but now I have a chiropractic board to answer to. I go, hey, I have a medical director. We run all these labs. I can show exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. They go, oh, you're fine. Good. Kansas even though I'd already moved to Missouri two years prior, they concluded their investigation. U.S. $5,000 were to publicly censure you that you're a liar. I talked to my attorney. I go, well, I don't have, haven't had a license there for two years. I just let it lapse. And uh, uh, he's like, well, I mean, they, they can't really can't do a lot to you. They can still do it without your permission, really. And they can just send the complaint over to Missouri. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. A month later, I got a letter from the Kansas State Board of Healing Arts, and it goes, we've decided not to punish you other than a sternly written letter. <coughs> because they couldn't do anything. They yeah. had to win. Yeah, there's nothing that they could do. And I think at this point, you have so much credentials, or you've, you've helped so many people, that they could pr try and publicly shame you or go against your name and, and say, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But unfortunately, you have all the evidence and all the people to suggest otherwise. Correct. Yeah, I mean, so it, that, that's in that's in your favor. That's on your side. The proof is in the pudding, you know. Right. I mean, hundred percent. If they if people actually sat down, and even people that are skeptical, they go, "Oh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's one of those quack doctors." He go back to popping backs. I never popped backs, by the way. I've always been a chiropractic internist. That's not been my thing. I've never been a back pop. Now I have a chiropractor on my staff. Um, that's great. I also used to work, work as a chiropractor. 
uh, for the U S Olympic weightlifting team. Oh, very cool. Um, but it wasn't really helping. Like you do it for free. And right. It's great for your name. If people want to come to a chiropractor who's great with musculoskeletal stuff, but that wasn't even my focus. It was, I was always internal. Um, so I just stopped doing it at some point, but anyway, so I've trained my other chiropractor on how to do all the musculoskeletal stuff. So he does that, which is great. But people use that all the time. Chiropractor. Like if I wasn't a doctor, let's say I'm not a doctor at all. And I come to you with all these things. Oh, well, that's really interesting. You say I'm a chiropractor. Oh, he's a quack. Right. Don't listen to him. He's a chiropractor. Like, well, if I was just a guy without any degree, you'd be like, that's amazing. Oh yeah. So that's, that's the medical bias right away. Medicals. And they've kind of ruined chiropractic too. Cause chiropractic before give the body what it needs and the body will heal itself. Yeah. But what they did was they got chiropractors to accept insurance. And just like your medical doctors, you go to a medical doctor, you can do certain labs, you can give drugs and you can do surgery. You really can't do anything else because insurance pays for certain things. Otherwise, you're just wasting time because they're not going to reimburse anything else. Chiropractors get, a, get reimbursed for adjusting people. So guess what? That's what they do. They just adjust people all day long. They don't think about all these other things. Yeah. Insurance ruins your ability to get better. It is a complete conflict of interest to use insurance always. Unless, listen, I'm getting shoulder surgery. I'm using insurance. Right. But that's what they do. That's what, in, what medicine's good for. They're good at saving your life. You come to me and you're bleeding out. You're going to die at my office. I can't save your life. But they can't give your life back. And that's right. what I do. Well, I think, so just to touch on that, just real briefly, I, I completely agree. Cash, I think paying cash for any type of thing you can at a doctor's office is the most beneficial. Jesse, who normally sits in that chair, he had broken his leg, you know, and he didn't have insurance. So he had to get a, a metal plate, some screws and stuff like that. And it ended up costing him right around 15000 I know that's quite a bit of money. But when you kind of look, Look at, I mean, he had the money. He paid for it cash. He doesn't owe anything. But, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Insurance is a scam to me as well because over the course of 20 years, Jesse could have paid way more than that and never seen any type of return if he never went and got the procedure, you right. know? But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's these meta, these MetaShare things and, like, Samaritans or these co-ops. I think they're the best deal in the world. I mean, I've had patients come to see me and get, you know, I sit down with them. We go through all the labs and everything. I'm like, hey, this is going to be, you know, somewhere between... Twenty five hundred and fifteen twenty thousand dollars, depending on what people are doing, and they are like, "Oh, I have Samaritans." Oh, that's great. We give a super bill, and they reimburse them one hundred percent. Oh, wow! For what I do, and I think because as a co op, they don't want you to spend any more money. They just want you to get better and be done. Yeah, which financially it makes sense. You go to a hospital, you know, my shoulder surgery without insurance, they're going to charge me about fifteen five two. Um, just for the hospital fee, not for the doctor or the anesthesiologist, just for the surgery right. center. Um, with insurance, it ended up being like 7000 It's crazy how that works. Because that, that was my max out of pocket, too. So I'm done for the year, but right. I'll never use it again, so it doesn't matter. Right. Well, rock on, man. Dude, we're a little bit over the hour. Um, just tell us. I don't know if you have any lasting thoughts about tonight or anything, but where can we find you? Where, where, where can people find your social media, any of that stuff? Well, I mean, you can do doctor.goodbinder or doctorgoodbinder on TikTok. I'm about to start a new epigenetics healing center page since Facebook just shut me down. Uh, I mean, hey, yeah, listen, my Facebook was rocking because every morning at 7 a.m. I was on there shooting a Facebook live about some kind of cool thing medically, some kind of testing, some pathway. Um, but anyways, you can find me at drgoodbinder.com, drgoodbinder.com. That's our website. Um, I mean, that's the best way to find us. We, we had a great website. You should check it out. Tell us how great our website is. Um, but yeah, if you're sick with anybody, if you know anybody who has any chronic illness, think about all these people that you know that are on medications, on cholesterol meds, on blood pressure meds, on diabetes meds, on thyroid meds, on rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, Crohn's disease, MS, Parkinson's, uh, cancer people, Sjogren's, 
any weird anomaly, hydratus superativa, uh, lipedema, all these things that people never get better from, if, you, if they're actually willing to make some changes and they're willing to get some testing, there's no reason they can't get better. It's just ridiculous to think otherwise. So anyways, drgoodbinder.com. Get a hold of us and, and let, uh, allow me to fulfill more of my purpose by helping uh, your friends and family get better. 100%, man. I'll put all that down in the link below, your website, um, the Amazon the Amazon link for your book as well. Yeah. Jay, I really appreciate you coming over, man. And I would love to have you on again. I know you're a busy man, so whenever you have time, <laughs> I'll see you up at work, man. We'll, we'll figure something out. But. Absolutely. Because there's so many things that you can talk about, not just what we talked about tonight and your purpose, but I, I feel like you have a lot of other things to talk about and bring to the table as well. So yeah, we can have some real fun with some real crazy stuff out here at some point. That's right. If we, yeah, and maybe do it on a Saturday night where we can go a little bit over the hour because I know you got to be up early. So yeah. Jay, thanks for joining, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Yep.